religion was something that both I completely did not understand and was an incredibly powerful thing in the world. It caused people to go to war. It caused people to do wonderful, beautiful things out of love. I felt intrinsically that I had a hole inside of me where religion was supposed to go. This is In Good Faith, listening to first-person experiences of faith and belief. On In Good Faith, it's our privilege to hear stories and accounts from believers told in their own words. Our hope is to listen with an open heart, celebrating the power of faith and belief and what those stories mean to the ones who tell them. This week I speak with Maylee Solomon, founder of the Talking With God Project and an associated Living Our Beliefs podcast. They explore the lived religion of Jews, Christians, and Muslims so we can understand how observant people live their values and their practices. Today we'll talk about the respect and wonder she has for her guests when she listens to their stories of belief. Maylee Solomon is a public scholar and her research is available at talkingwithgodproject.org. Besides an MBA from Northeastern University, she has a Master of Jewish Liberal Studies degree from Hebrew College. Her conservative Jewish practice and wide range of personal and professional experiences inform her research and her life. I have what I call adult-onset religion. (laughs) I was not raised with a religious practice. I grew up in an interfaith, non-observant family. My mother was Protestant. My father was Jewish. So I'm wondering how your family reacted, because some people could see this as a critique if you do something different than the way you were raised. I really appreciate that question. It was uncomfortable at certain points. The attitude towards religion in my upbringing was that religion was for people who were weak. It was a crutch that weak people needed. The family often said, you know, we're not joiners. And yet, as a young adult, I found that being an island was also not the way to live in the world. Over time, things settled out, as they often do. You know, the family gets to know, okay, this is not so bad. I haven't joined a cult. I'm really just an intelligent person exploring things. One moment that was that really stood out for me was when I joined my first synagogue in Seattle, Beit Olive Meditation Synagogue. My father came to visit and we went to Friday night services. And once seated, we realized that it was the first time in my life that we had ever been in synagogue together. And I was late 30s. Mm. It was really an astonishing realization. I've heard it said that nobody changes unless they either have a disaster or a spiritual experience. So I'm wondering, what made you turn that corner or flip that switch? Well, honestly, it was being asked, are you Jewish? Mm. By a Hillel director as I ran through the mailroom one day at college. Given my family background, my answer was... Yes, no, oh, I don't have time. And I ran off. (laughs) And afterwards, I was both humored and kind of a little upset about this answer. I said, that absolutely is a correct answer, but it's a really insufficient answer. I had studied enough to know that religion 
was something that both I completely did not understand and was an incredibly powerful thing in the world. It caused people to go to war. It caused people to do wonderful, beautiful things out of love. And I thought anything that has been that powerful in a positive and negative way throughout time around the world is something I need to understand. And furthermore, I felt intrinsically that I had a hole inside of me where religion was supposed to go. And that began this really long path of learning and exploration and sorting out my identity. I really love your answer. Yes, no, I don't have time. But you have since taken time. I think that seems like one of the goals when I look at your website. But why do you want to learn from Jews, Christians, and Muslims who are practicing? My Talking with God project began in 2014 when I was living in Berlin, Germany. And the podcast was launched last January. The passion for me in these is really twofold. One is to understand other paths, to increase acceptance and reduce unexamined bias, which is just such a big need in our world today. Right. And the other is to deepen my experience and through the conversations, perhaps deepen the practice of other people. I believe in lifelong learning. The impetus was sitting in synagogue. I was going to a conservative egalitarian synagogue in Berlin, had been doing that for about seven years at that time. And I found myself sitting in synagogue every Saturday morning, reciting these prayers that sounded really transactional to me. Mm -hmm. Things out of Deuteronomy of, to paraphrase, if we're good boys and girls, you know, we'll get rain and the cows will get wheat and everything will be great. And I just, I really struggled with that. Is this actually how I see my relationship with God? Is this, and if it's not, then what does it mean that I'm sitting in synagogue and saying these things? Is this just performative? Is it historical literature? What is going on here? And my answer, whenever I find myself in a quandary like that and going around and around and not coming up with answers is to read books and talk to people. And there I was, an American living in Germany, a Jewish American living in Germany, and we can talk about that later. I thought, this is a great opportunity. This is a great excuse to talk to people I don't know, and maybe I will get some answers. I'll learn something, and I'll meet people. I'm wondering what takes you from this longing for understanding. You start this search, but at then some point... When does it become belief, or did you have some underlying sense of God before that? I think I'm still working on the answer to that question. I love it. <laughs> One of the things that's really stood out in both the research interviews for the project and the podcast episode conversations is the depths of some people's belief. Mm -hmm. They're absolute. I know there's a God. God loves me. God will answer my prayers. And Frankly, Steve, that is so foreign from my experience. I just, I think there's something out there. That's about it. I don't, you know, I just, I don't think that if I say, oh, please, God, bring me X, that, that that's going to happen. I, I just, that's not my experience and it's not my faith. And frankly, I mean, it's, 
I actually want to retract that word faith because as Jews, faith is not something we talk about. Mm -hmm. We talk about actions. We talk about doing mitzvot, good deeds. It's not a great translation, but that's the way it tends to be translated into English. You talked about going to Berlin and and living there in Germany. What took you there? And then I I am curious about your experience as a, a Jewish American in Germany. What took me there was an interest in living abroad. I had had the great good fortune of traveling quite widely internationally. I had done two study abroad programs, as it happens, both in Europe. And I wanted the experience of really committing to a different place. You know, when I did the study abroad programs, even the one that was six months long, I always knew that I was coming home and I knew when I was coming home. But to take a one-way plane ride and really commit, I just knew that that would be a different experience. I wanted to know what that would be like. I wanted to know how it would affect me. And I wanted to know how deeply I could get into another culture you know, you're making me think of metaphors and parallels of trying to do the same with faith. Uh, the, mm. That when we talk to people, sometimes we think, well, here I am having this conversation after which I will leave and no longer be involved in Islam or Judaism or whatever it might be, but to actually commit to something and not just be a visitor to to actually learn it from inside out. That's a great analogy, Steve. I really like that. Well, I think you drew it and I just noticed it. So <laughs> thank you. Well, noticing is really important. I mean, that's, that is part of the connecting. It's part of being in conversation. It's part of learning and evolving is noticing. And actually, I would say, Steve, that is a word that I think is very much out of Christianity or a similar word, this kind of I think you may have a different word, but noticing strikes me in that in that context. So did you did you feel different as you're exploring Judaism in Germany than you'd had as an American or on your other travels? I had lived in various parts of America. I had been an observant Jew in various parts of America, as had happened cities with significant Jewish populations. When I went to Berlin, even though it has the biggest Jewish population of anywhere in Germany, always has been, it is still courtesy of the Nazis and the Holocaust. It is very small. Right. And it is quite hidden. For one, I had to seek it out. I had to be really intentional. Mm -hmm. And that was a very different experience. In America, in big cities in America where there's a big Jewish population— It's just in the air. It's really easy to find. You don't really have to think a whole lot about it. It's just there. But in Germany, I needed to be intentional. If I was going to be an observant Jew in Germany, I needed to be intentional every day. And I found that very powerful. I found it powerful to help rebuild a living Jewish community In point of fact, about a year after I moved, I discovered that I had distant relatives who had lived in the city. I tracked down their last addresses and helped the family back in the U.S. I found grave sites in the big Jewish cemetery, Weissensee, and that was incredibly emotionally powerful to both help the family knit those bits together 
and to carry it forward. So one of the things that I helped start and then another family member took it on was setting what's called Stolpersteine, stumbling stones. These are brass topped cobblestones that are set into sidewalks in front of the last known address of a Jew who was murdered in the Holocaust. It's a fantastic project. It takes a lot of research to do it, but it's very powerful. And we ended up setting, oh, I think about eight of them at three different addresses. And I was able to be present at all of those layings. It was wonderful. Mm. I'd like to follow up with your Living Our Beliefs podcast. You've interviewed quite a number of people as you started this project. And I'm wondering what stands out to you as really memorable or what has stuck with you, maybe from particular people of different faiths who you've interviewed? There have been a number of super interesting things. I'll note just a few because I could note a lot. (laughs) Regarding the depth of faith, Two of the people I interviewed while I was in Berlin, in German, I'll note, were Jehovah's Witnesses. Those were really interesting conversations. And I was very impressed by the depth of their Bible knowledge. They were the only people who came to the interview with Bibles in hand. Mm. We would talk and they would flip open their Bible and quote. And I have to say, I wouldn't be able to do that. I was very impressed. Another was a former coaching colleague of mine from Kenya, Protestant. She talked about praying in numbers, and she was fantastically specific. She said she would do things like pray for a green Toyota Corolla four-door, and she would get it. (laughs) I was very impressed. I had a few other people talk about being really specific and having that kind of prayer experience. Another aspect was something that several people of all three faiths talked about was the need to take responsibility in their relationship with God. As one Muslim said, you can't just lie on the couch and expect things to fall out of the sky for you. Another Muslim talked about there being a a line in Hadith saying, even in Mecca, you tie your camel, which I thought was a fantastic (laughs) vision. Several other people talked about the need to meet God halfway, which again is about you can't just sit back and have things happen, that this is a partnership. A number of people spoke of God being both distant, all-powerful, all-knowing, the great creator of all, and yet also very close. So a Muslim woman said, quote, There's a verse in the Quran that says, God is closer to you than your jugular vein. So even the most intimate things, the most grand things, there's nothing outside his control. I think that's a very powerful idea. And I think that is also the thing that allows you to find meaning even in the mundane, unquote. I also was struck in a conversation with a Protestant woman in New Hampshire, she was speaking about changing from, I think it was Methodist to Congregational or something like that. And I realized that I hadn't heard her talk about Jesus Christ. So I said, just want to check here. (laughs) In my understanding, 
you're taking Jesus Christ as your savior is one of the big differences between Christians and Jews. And you haven't talked about Jesus. So do you take Jesus Christ as your Lord and savior? There was this pause and she said, actually, no. And I said, how does it feel to say that? She said, it's it's kind of disturbing. You know, I'd, I'd never verbalized that. This is, I mean, this is what's great about having these conversations, both for the research and now for the podcast, is to hear people speak directly about their experience. Is that part of why it's interesting for you to speak with people is because you say that your understanding of belief or or good deeds, whatever it might be, is still a work in progress. Are you still, by speaking to these people, on a giant research project? Yeah, Steve, fair enough. I think that is probably a, a fair representation. I think learning happens all the time. I can learn from every single person I meet. And why not? Well, I would I would have to say that the intent of your podcast and the intent of ours in good faith of hearing personal experiences of faith and belief are, are sort of kindred spirits. When I, f- I first read about what you do and then went to the website, I thought, how can I not talk to this person? Because uh, she's fascinating. Your experience is different from people that you interview. I think the whole idea of learning how to talk about faith with people of other faiths in sort of a civil way has become a lost art. Amen to that. That is so critical. I've been humbled by the challenge of bridging difference. I do believe that it is possible, but it is not so simple. Sometimes it's really hard, but I think it's worth doing anyway. I see this as both learning by doing and modeling Mm. how to do that civil conversation. It's important to note that I approach all of these conversations with open curiosity I am intentionally having personal conversations about a private issue. I'll be honest in saying that there are times when a guest hits a nerve Mm. and my alarm bells ring. That's also part of the experience of bridging difference. So what do you hear from your listeners who are hearing maybe people of some of these other faiths describe their life experience and spiritual experience for the first time? How do they respond to you? Some things I've heard include simply being fascinated by new knowledge. Generally, it's an interest in learning, but there's not been anyone who said, oh, I was influenced to change. And frankly, Steve, I'm glad to hear that because it is absolutely not my mission to change somebody's path. If I can help someone be more open and accepting of people walking other paths, that's job number one. And job number two is if I can help the audience or the reader of my blog to reflect and think more deeply about their own path and maybe deepen that experience, fantastic. Mm. But I'm not looking to change somebody's faith path. And in fact, I make it extremely clear to all guests and research interviewees that proselytizing is not done and it is not accepted. When you started off on this project, you did choose, quote, the people of the book, unquote, the Abrahamic religions. Was there a reason for that? Was it your own experience with at least two of those traditions? 
I felt that I needed to put a boundary someplace. Mm -hmm. I could have put it in many places, right? I could have said, okay, I'll talk to anybody who's liberal or I'll talk to any American or, you know, there are lots of places to put those guardrails. I felt, as many people do, that the three Abrahamic faiths, Islam, Judaism, and Christianity, they are natural partners. So that was a comfortable way. Some people said, geez, that's an awfully big group of people. (laughs) And it is. I could have narrowed it to only Jews, or I could have narrowed it to only one other faith as as comparative religion scholars do. They compare two religions because already that's enough. But I'm a lover of variety. And so for me, the three religions offer a clear grouping with a lot of variety. And I'll note that in both the research and the podcast, I am intentionally reaching for a big variety. So from liberal to orthodox, from 20 years old to 80 plus, all kinds of situations in life, academic levels, profession, races, gender, sexuality, the whole thing. And in that big variety, then I look for trends and commonalities and groupings and outliers. So you said a phrase that I had to write down because it was really succinctly put that you have if I got this right, public conversations on private topics, which is kind of a a, a gutsy thing to invite someone to. Like, hey, let's talk about something that you tend to hold very close and perhaps even sacred to you. I'm curious how you see God working in your life and in the work you do. Or do you see God working as you look back? Do you sense that? Oh, Steve. I feel like I should say, oh, yes, I feel the hand of God. This is certainly what I hear from the orthodox end or the evangelical end of my interviewees. I can't honestly say I feel that. What I can say is a phrase that my first rabbi, Rabbi Ted Falcon out in Seattle said was, your job is to be the best you you can be. It's not to be anybody else. And I take that to heart, and that's what I try to do. I feel strongly that part of being my best self is using my top skills. It happens that one of my top skills is being able to talk to absolutely anybody and make those connections and find a point of comfort and commonality. And I will counter that slightly, Steve, by saying, I am absolutely not Pollyannish about this work. This is hard work, as you no doubt know. You talk to a fantastic range of people in your podcast. And I do not think that we are all basically the same and Mm -hmm. it's all good because that's just not what I see when I look out at the world. And it's not my experience, but it's still worth trying. It's an interesting journey. And that's that's worth it just right there. I have met people I would not have otherwise met. I can't say I've answered the questions that I started with. <laughs> I still struggle when I sit in synagogue on Saturday morning, which is, you know, after all these years, a little dismaying. But that's all right. 
you know, part of what I appreciate about the Jewish practice is that we're not trying for certitude. The wrestling itself has value. We have a type of debate we call questions for the sake of heaven, which is really about talking about something, discussing, debating without any expectation of coming to an answer. It's the process of dialogue. It's the process of thinking through and having ideas go back and forth. And that alone has a value. You may not have found what you set out to find, but you found something. And does this help fill that hole or that void that you felt was a space in you waiting for God? Absolutely. Many things fill that hole. That's one of the things that's become apparent to me. It's not a simple one, two, three easy steps. That's not the way it is for me. It's the whole combination of attending services, observing kashrut, the the dietary laws, celebrating the holidays. It's having interfaith dialogue. It's study. It's Hebrew practice, having people over for Shabbat dinner on Friday night, attending to people who are ill, reaching out, going to funerals. All of these different things all together make up that relationship, infuse my life with a sense of holiness and enrich it, absolutely enrich it. It's undefinable. In the end, I think it's undefinable. That doesn't mean I stop trying to define it. Doesn't mean I stop asking the questions and listening to other people's answers, but I don't expect a neat box with a bow on top. That's just not how I see this work. Thanks again to Maylee Solomon for speaking with me. As you know, it's a delight to find a kindred spirit in the world. You can find her podcast at her website, talkingwithgodproject.org, as well as on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. We hope you find her work and guests as interesting as I did. This episode was produced and edited by Heather Bigley. In Good Faith is committed to the idea that we all benefit from hearing people of widely varying backgrounds share their personal experience with faith and belief. In fact, we think people with such experience deserve some of our best listening. If you enjoy the show, the best thing you can do to spread the word is leave a comment or a review wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate it. Find us on Twitter at InGoodFaithPod and on Instagram and Facebook at In Good Faith Podcast. In Good Faith is a production of BYU Radio. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. I hope you'll join me again soon right here in Good Faith.